Welcome back to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Oh, happy to be here. Season six. Can you believe that? Season six. You know what? I, I didn't want to do the seasons. I, I would listen to a lot of podcasts and talk to a lot of guys that have been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I didn't want to do seasons. I was like, dude, it's not like a a series or anything. I'm just going to keep running. But then I realized seasons help break up the show. You know, we have seasons of our lives. We have seasons on television shows. And I was like, you know what? It does make sense to do seasons. So halfway through my, you know, experimentation of starting the life of an average geo podcast, I decided I'm going to do seasons. And I tell you what, it gives me a really cool opportunity for my own uh, mind and my own well-being and my own sanity to say, you know what, I've got 10 episodes in this season. This is going to carry me to this date, and then I can do this. You know, especially if I'm planning like a live podcast, like again, I'm going down to go see my good friends in Austin at Oasis Texas Brewing, so I can plan it and go, hey, I've got nine episodes planned for season seven. You guys are going to be my 10th. That puts me at this date. It just helps me keep it organized in my brain. And it is also a good reference if I'm talking to somebody. The other day I was talking to somebody and a conversation came up and we were talking about concerts. And I said, oh, if you want to hear some cool stories about concerts, I did a three-part series. That was back in like season three. Check it out. And he could go right to it and say, okay, this must be it. And it just kind of worked out a little bit better. But Anyway, I digress. We're in season six. This is episode two. If you haven't listened to episode one of season six, I suggest you do that. It's a short story from The Average Joe. You know, I do that in my monthly segment, and it was a good one. It's about Detroit. It's about casinos. It's about, um, well, it's about what happens when you make your girlfriend mad, which I have a great, great talent for doing. Really, honestly, if I think about it, I have an amazing talent for making a lot of people mad. I really should be a, I don't know what I should be. I should get an award for that, a medal. But it's a its a fun story about the casino. It's what happens when you don't have a car. It's what happens when you decide to gamble all night. It's a good story. It's fun. Check it out. Uh, I do that once a month. Short stories from the average Joe. Just another look into the life of my sane Existence. I'm going to take a drink. My mouth is really dry right now. It's the weather change. It's like 45 outside. It was like 80 last week. Anyway, I feel like I'm lisping a lot. You can hear that like a lisp. I don't have a lisp, but I can hear it. And it usually means my mouth is dry. So today I want to talk <laughs> about a cool adventure I had going back to Chicago. It's another Chicago story. I've got so many Chicago stories. But this is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to try to break it up in this episode. Um, So get your coffee, get your beer, get your liquor, get ready. We're going to go to Chicago. I love Chicago and have so many stories about that city. This one revolves around the Wizard Comic Con. Now, if you guys aren't comic book fans, um, if you're not into the nerdy stuff, as I like to call it, Star Wars, um, geez, wrestling, uh, Batman, Superman, Marvel. It doesn't matter. This is this is a fun story, and it and it it also has another side to it that's really interesting too. How I met some really great people that I remained contact with for for a very long time. But Wizard was the 
magazine for comic books and all things coming out related to comic books. In the days of Spawn and Dark Horse and Aliens vs. Predator and... You know, it was like what I consider to be the mecca of comic books. I know comic books are still big. I know that. But they're not as big as they were. And I haven't collected comic books in years. I still have a good collection. I lost a box, though, that really breaks my heart. And I don't know where I lost it. Um, I want to blame my parents and say it's still at their house. But I looked. It's not there anymore. Um, I I don't know. And I didn't lose it in the divorce because I didn't even have it there. So I'm really not sure, you know, there's some good ones in there, but it's just one of those things in life. I just had to learn to let go, I guess. But anyway, um, comic books aren't as big as they were back then. And this was probably uh, late 90s, early 2000s. I'm going to say late 90s. I don't know. I'd have to look at the dates. But... Wizard was the magazine. I used to buy it. I used to have a subscription to it, actually. And it would talk about comic news, and, and it would tie in Mar- you know, any movie news related to comic books. Now, at the time, we didn't have the MCU. Disney did not own Marvel. Actually, at the time, Marvel sold a lot of its entities just to stay afloat. They were getting ready to go out of business. So if you're wondering why... Sony's making a movie about Venom and Morbius and all that, and Disney isn't, it's because they don't have the rights to those characters yet. Sony still does. So even though Marvel owns those characters and is and Disney's making money off those characters, technically speaking, Disney can't produce their own movie on those characters without some serious negotiations with Sony which is why we almost lost Spider-Man for a while there. And I'm not going to get all nerdy, but that's what happened. That's why Marvel you know, really got bought. And thank God they did. But back in the day, we didn't have that. We didn't have this major, major movies connected to Marvel and DC. We did have some. Obviously, we had Batman that Tim Burton directed with Michael Keaton. And then Batman... Um, Returns, another Tim Burton movie, and then all the other crap. And then we got a Spawn movie, which was horrible. Um, That's a Todd McFarlane, who did work for Marvel, um, but he formed his own little thing over at Dark Horse and had Spawn, and that that was a huge, huge character. Um, And then we had a Spawn movie, which was horrible. So we had other... we, we, We did have comic book movies, but not like we did today. But Wizard would talk about that. They'd talk about the cartoons and TV shows and everything related to the comic book world. And they had WizardCon. And WizardCon came to Chicago at the Rosemont. I believe it's Rosemont Horizon or Rose. I think it's Rosemont. It's, it's just right outside the city of Chicago. Right by a Hooters. That's all I know. Um, and we said, we're going. We had a buddy of ours. His name was Nick. And he was a big wrestling nerd like we were. And he was a big comic book nerd. And he actually drew comics. And he was really good at drawing. He was really good. Um, Problem was, he didn't have the motivation. He didn't have the motivation or the drive or really the patience to break into the biz. But he drew good. And he actually came up with several comics that I think probably could have been 
winners, or you know, even if he signed with an independent, or if he had enough money and drive to you know do them himself, I think he would have been good. So Nick actually told us that WizardCon was coming to Chicago before we found out, and I said we gotta go. Okay, number one, it's comic books. Number two, it's Chicago. Number three, we gotta go support Nick. Who's coming with me? And we had a few people that came. My buddy Jeremy went. Cuz, my cousin went. I don't think Ken went to this, but I have to find out. I'm, I'm going to ask him. Because I've gone through the pictures and I don't see Ken in any of those pictures. And this is something that Ken would have gone to. So either he went later or I completely am blanking out on him. But I remember Cuz and my friend Jeremy there. And we talked to Nick about it. And Nick's like, look. I can't get you tickets, but I can get you VIP passes once you're inside. No problem. So we planned out our trip because Nick had a table there, had a booth. Now, it wasn't one of the big booths. It wasn't going to be next to Marvel. It wasn't going to be next to Dark Horse or DC or any of those other guys. But he did have a booth, and it was in a pretty good location. He wasn't, like, shoved in the corner for people just to walk by and go, ah, who knows who that guy is. And you got a picture of this place. This is not some little mom-pop crappy show where there's like a bunch of booths and, and, and people are just there. This is huge. Big time, big time celebrities were there. Anybody who's anybody in the comic world was there from, from owners, creators, artists, inkers, everything. Anybody who has had anything to do with movies connected to comic books was there. And then, of course, wrestling and comics go hand-to-hand. So guess what? Chicago's a big market for wrestling. WWF was there. And WCW. And this was right during the Monday Night Wars. So they were huge. So we had all kinds of opportunities to meet these people, hang out with these people, get pictures taken, autographs. It was a great event. So we planned it out. And we decided, let's find the cheapest hotel. We're not going to stay downtown Chicago. We tried to stay at one of my buddies, but he wasn't in town. So we got a cheap hotel just outside. It's actually... It's further than Rosemont. It's just outside. It's it's not far. It's probably took us 20 minutes to get to Rosemont and then another 20 to get Chicago. Like downtown Chicago. And it was a crappy hotel. I mean, Motel 6, Holiday Inn Express, nothing exciting. It wasn't like roaches everywhere, but we were just a bunch of guys drinking and hanging out. There's a strip club across the street. <laughs> really, really crappy place, but not bad. You know, for, for the two nights that we were there, we're like, whatever, because we stayed two nights. Um, and it was, it was really clean. I mean, I don't want to paint this picture like they rented rooms by the hour. They didn't do that. It was clean. It was just a crappy hotel. You know, they didn't have a breakfast. The coffee that they had in there was, you know, that instant coffee. It's just, it's, you might as well drink like poop water. It was horrible. Um, and, I, and I'm kind of bougie when I stay at a hotel sometimes. But at the time, I'm in my 20s. What do I care? They had a pool, but, you know, we didn't go in. So we drive, we pack up, we drive to Chicago. Me, cuz, Jeremy, boom. Cuz passed out in the back. I think I had my knee on. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I actually don't think so. I think I drove, 
I think I drove Jeremy's mom's like Jeep or something so we could have more room. So we drive to Chicago three and a half, four hours. We're we're stoked. We're going for the weekend. We get to Chicago. Nick is staying at a hotel where all the people are staying. All most of the celebrities, most of the artists. So it's a lot more expensive. It's bougie. Um, they had a breakfast, they had real coffee. And he decides, hey, before you guys come down, you know, and get right into everything, why don't you come hang out with us? And we can meet some of my team and all that. Well, we're going to do that. Now, I got to say something about Nick. He's a really nice guy. He's not a great guy to hang out with. He's a good guy to talk to. I had some fun with him. We went and saw, like, the Star Wars prequels together. And probably multiple times. We watch wrestling pay-per-views together. And he really is a good guy. But after a while, he just gets moody and whiny like a baby. Like a big, fat, overgrown baby. Like, that's what he reminds me of. And, I mean, I can get moody, too. But, like, even if you're having a good time, like, even at the end of the Star Wars movie when we saw Phantom Menace the first time, after we saw it, like, six times in the movie theater, <laughs> um, he was like, oh, I'm just glad it's over. And I'm like, dude, don't you want to talk about it? I just want to go home. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And I'm like, what? We've been waiting our entire lives to see more Star Wars, and you got nothing to say. Like, he was just that type of guy, you know? So hanging out with Nick right away as we get to Chicago, like my home away from home, right before we go to Comic-Con, right before we meet all these people, just sounds like a drag to me, but it's the right thing to do because number one, he's our friend and your friends aren't always perfect and your friends can suck sometimes. But number two, he's also getting us VIPs. And we're not talking like VIP like you get to cut in a line. We're talking like VIP swag bags, lounge, meet everybody. Like we're talking like as if we worked there. That's a big deal. Now, I remember Jeremy was doubting Nick's skills of VIP. He was like, you know what? Nick says he's going to do this. We don't truly know if he's going to do this. And I'm like, look, man, if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. We were going to go anyway. We were going to come to this event anyway. We're going to have a good time. We're still going to be able to meet some people. If he doesn't come through, he doesn't come through. I really wasn't stressing about it. Jeremy was absolutely stressing about it. Cuz was just there. And Cuz was a lot younger than us, too. He was like, if I was in my 20s, he was like 16. Give or take. So he was just happy to be there, right? <laughs> you know, with a bunch of guys hanging out. In Chicago on a road trip where he didn't have to pay for anything, really. So we go meet Nick. Nick introduces us to his crew, the people that work in the comic book. And then he introduces us to some other people that were from Marvel. I mean, Marvel's a huge company, so I couldn't tell you who they were. Like, I know one of the guys was like an illustrator for this comic. And, you know, it wasn't like I met Stan Lee. But it was cool. It was cool to talk to them. It was cool to just see them kind of in their own environment. And then we were just looking at this hotel and we're seeing all kinds of people walk by. I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's Todd McFarlane. That's the guy who drew Spider-Man, drew Spawn. Like, wait, what? Wait a minute, who's that? Oh, what? Like, it was just all kinds of people. Directors, artists. And then all of a sudden we saw Paul Bearer. Now, if you're not a wrestling fan, you have no idea who Paul Bearer is. If you are a wrestling fan and you know The Undertaker, you know who Paul Bearer, 
Paul Bearer is, rest in peace. That was the Undertaker's manager. He just came walking by. We're literally sitting down at this table, snacking, drinking a little, kicking it with these guys. And Paul Bearer just walks by and we're like, okay, well, we've made it now. <laughs> like, we're in the big leagues. He doesn't hand us the passes because he has to do his check-in. So he hasn't done his check-in at the event yet. So we hang out for about an hour or so. He says, look, guys, I got to do my check-in. I'll know more about the passes. I'll see you guys down there. So he takes off. No problem. We walk around the city. We go hang out around the city for a little bit because we got time to kill. We get a text from Nick. Hey, guys, when you come in, come to this entrance. Come this way. You know, it's like, it's a specific area. And he tells us what time to be there. So we're downtown Chicago. We're hanging out. We're getting a Chicago dog. It's beautiful. It's summertime, essentially, um, because it's warm. I mean, I remember walking around in shorts. Not that that means anything. Um, I will say, look, it gets cold in Chicago, just like Detroit. It gets cold. And that wind coming off Lake Michigan, there's some nights you don't want to wear shorts. But it was warm. We're, we're taking, we're showing Cuz the pier because he's never been in Chicago, Sears Tower. Uh, we're talking about we're going to go get some pizzas later. And, and we're like, all right, we're just having a good time. Grabbed a couple beers, some drinks, boom. We make our way back to Rosemont. We park a little bit away from the event center and you can see the flood of people walking down the street. And you know that they're going to Comic-Con. You know they're going, not just because there's nothing else going on there, but because of how they're dressed. If you're not familiar with cosplay, which is a lot bigger now than it was back then, it was still big. But these people spend either, first off, they make their costumes, which is super talented in my opinion, most of them. If not, they spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on their costume to dress like their favorite fictional characters. Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Vampirella, Evil Ernie, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman. Um, you know, <laughs> people I didn't even know. Obs obscure characters. Like, you got Man-Thing, Swamp-Thing. Um, a lot of anime. So a lot of, a lot of different anime stuff. And then there's just random. Like, oh, well, I created this character in my new role-playing game that I made. So there's characters that you don't even know, and I'm telling you what, you could spend hours just watching them. And I'm impressed. Some of it I think is stupid. But if you're into it, I support you. It's not my thing. I get it. But others, I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, we're talking like Darth Vader, not like you just bought it at Spirit Halloween. We're talking full costume, light up, box, thousands of dollars on this costume it might as well been in one of the movies and then you get these other original costumes or costumes like we had a guy dress up as harry from harry and the hendersons i don't know if you guys remember that movie but it was bad it's i love that movie but you know he his family's vacationing he hits bigfoot and bigfoot lives in his house it's a great movie john lithgow's in it i love that movie this guy had a harry and the hendersons costume on or harry co bigfoot costume again not a costume that you just ordered from Amazon. This guy, he not only was he big, like he could have played Harry, which by the way, sidebar, the guy that played the Predator in the first movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, 
also played Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. And he died of AIDS. But anyway, um, that's what it looked like. The fur was real. It had like dirt on it. I mean, we're not even inside the event center yet. And we're seeing all these people. I took so many pictures and I didn't have the cell phone back then to just, you know, take all kinds of pictures. The cell phone back then were not great. They didn't even have cameras on them at all. And if they did, they were, they were crappy. So we're taking them with like a camera, a real camera or the disposable Kodaks that you could just buy and go get dropped off at Meyer or Walmart and have them printed up for you. And we get up to the gate. <clears throat> they check us out, walk through security. We go to the gate we're supposed to go. We can't walk past it because we do not have the clearance. But we were told to go there. So we call Nick because you weren't texting him and we don't get him. So Jeremy calls him, doesn't get him. I call him, doesn't get him. Cuz calls him. I'm getting a little worried at this point because it had been 15 minutes and I'm like, well, you know what? It's a big area. We don't know where he is. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I'm like, should we just go in? And I'm like, no, let's give him some time. 45 minutes go by. We're over looking at the people. We just want to get in there. The security's like, you guys, you can't just stand here. Nick comes walking out with the lanyards, puts them on our necks. It's like, these guys are good. Security waves us in. And I was like, oh my God. Like I could have hugged this big Greek dude. Yeah, he was a big Greek dude, like six foot. I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, yeah, guys, be cool. Um, I'm busy, so I can't hang out right now, but come back and we'll, we'll, we'll meet up. And there was a part of me that was like, bro, I'm glad you're busy. <laughs> like in my head, cause I just want to go in and see everything. But he walked us through the back and it's just, I mean, it was like my eyes lit up. I walked in once we got through the little hallway into the main event center, he showed us where his booth is. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I, there's the Batmobile, like five different versions of the Batmobile over there well probably not i think there was like three but they had the bat boat they had a model bat wing from the michael keaton movie and i'm like and then you look over and i'm like is that optimus prime and they had like a this was before the transformer movie you got to remember this this was the only transformers we had were the toys and the cartoon there was no movie but they had this robotic optimus prime that would move and the guy who does Optimus Prime's voice since the 80s cartoon and still does it, was there voicing it and taking pictures. I was like, I, I was a kid. I, I was just like, oh my God. Like, I'm not even in yet and I don't know where to begin. We haven't even got to the, like, the comic book stuff yet. And this is what, I mean, it was awesome. Awesome. So we're walking, and I'm like, look, we got maps. Let's get our swag bags. They hand us a swag bag because we showed them our lanyards. It's got T-shirts, two T-shirts in there, hats, um, stickers, uh, toothbrushes, like everything. Like, it's so cool. And then we had our drink coupons because you could drink, and they give my 16-year-old cousin this bag with drink coupons. We're like, whatever. And then we had food tickets. We didn't have to pay for food, but then we had a list of where all the celebrities and famous people and where you could get your pictures taken and your autographs where they were going to be and who was doing what and who we were allowed to see without paying because there's some people you had to pay a signing fee like 20 bucks to sign this picture and who we had to pay and, and and all that but the cool thing was there was vip 
area at certain times where these celebrities and, and people were going to be that we were only allowed to go in there and spend the time. We could take pictures all we want and whatever. So we start scouting out our, our plans. We're plotting out our, our I don't know, our, heaven ex, our heavenly experience, I guess. And as we're looking at the map, we're seeing names like Kevin Smith, Raven, Paul Bearer, Undertaker, Kevin Nash, Lex Luger, Razor Ramon. And I'm like, what? Todd McFar- McFarlane, Stan Lee, Danny DeVito. <laughs> what the heck? And all these names, Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, I don't know. And then we start seeing the Star Wars names. Ray Park, the guy who played Darth Maul from The Phantom Menace. Because it had just come out. Um, Boba Fett, the guy, who was his name? Ian, I don't remember his name. Um, the guy who played Boba Fett. The guy who played Darth Vader. Not James Earl Jones, but the other actor. And then we start seeing, you know, George Lucas. And we're like, wait, what? George Frickin' Lucas, the man behind Star Wars, is going to be here? We had no idea. And then, of course, all the comic book names. So before I get into where and what happened next, I'm going to pause this right here and go to a commercial break. So take a minute, go to the bathroom, put it on pause, listen to my commercial, come on back, and I'll tell you who we met as we dove into the world of WizardCon. And then, of course, I'll get into the non comic book stuff what happened after our first day at WizardCon. okay welcome back from that short commercial break and we're in a uh, part two I, I think this could be a three-part series i i don't know guys this could be a three-part series but anywho um welcome back we're in WizardCon. we're in chicago we've got vip our, our buddy nick hooked it up despite jeremy's lack of faith in our buddy he hooked it up. He did a great job. I'm super happy. And we're in WizardCon, and we are overwhelmed. Like, the nerd dork meter is through the roof, okay? The Star Wars meter is through the roof. Everything is through the roof because this is the Mecca. And this is a Mecca time. Like, you are in the time of some of the best comic books. I mean, you have to remember, this was the death of Superman. This was... Uh, you know, Venom coming out with Maximum Carnage and then, you know, The Punisher and Ghost Rider and Midnight Suns and just all kinds of cool stuff. Spawn and, um, God, I wish I could remember. My memory on the actual comic books is faded because I'm old (laughs) and because I forget. I've done a lot of stuff. You guys, in my 43 years, I've done a lot of stuff. Don't expect me to remember everything. I'm shocked that I'm remembering everything I am. I mean, you look, when I do these podcasts, there are very little notes. This is all derived from my memory banks, which is amazing that they're even still active. Sometimes I have notes. Like, I could go back and look at certain things and say, okay, this happened at that moment. But for the most part, guys, I'm just pulling this from my memory. So just deal with it. <laughs> like, you know, you guys are probably sitting there better at me going, oh, I remember that comic book. Well, look, I don't. You know, I, I remember very little. Um, but anyway, we're at Comic-Con and we're walking through and we have plotted out where we're going to go, sort of. Oh, God, I'm thirsty. This is a huge, huge place. And if you've ever been to any sort of Comic-Con that has any reputable 
um, reputation, I guess. Reputable reputation? Does that make sense? Yes. If you've been to any Comic-Con that's reputable, you know how big it is. If you've been to a generic Comic-Con, it's just a bunch of nerds sitting there being like, hey, look what I drew. That's not this. This is a professional, professional thing. This is like the who's who. I mean, the who's who of Comic-Con. And again, this is all before Disney+. Plus. This is all before the MCU. But this is a very big deal. And the people that are going to be there. Uh, Lou Ferrigno was there, which was awesome. And that was the first guy that we met. Now, if you don't know who Lou Ferrigno is, he's the original Hulk. Yes, he's the original Hulk. No, he did not play Bruce Banner. He played the Hulk, the green paint Hulk. And we got to meet him. So, and he's partially deaf, by the way. Um, I'm just saying that, not for anything other than the fact that he's partially deaf. That, that's the only reason. So as we're walking by, I see Lou Ferrigno. They've got a big giant Hulk poster. And mind you, there was no other Hulk movie out at this time. Not currently. Um, it was just before they brought out that first pile of garbage Hulk when he fought like the big dogs. Um, I think it was like a couple years before that. Pretty close anyway. So Lou Ferrigno is the Hulk. He's the only Hulk. He's the only Hulk we had. And we walk by. He's got a pretty decent lineup. He's a very big dude still. Talking to people, hanging out. We go up to him. We're like, hey, Lou, what's up? He's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Totally cool. We get our picture taken with the Hulk, all of us. No autographs. I'm not, I, I need to say, I'm not really big into autographs. I'm not there to collect and sell them. I, I just don't, I don't care. Do I have some? Yeah, I, I've got some autographs. I've got really, quite frankly, plenty of autographs, you know, in my repertoire. Um, but I'm not big into that. I really like meeting people. I think it's cool. I like being able to talk to them. And seeing how they are. Are they willing to talk? Are they, you know, not willing to talk? Are they all about business? Um, if I can get a pic of them with me, great. I'm just not a pushy person. And that goes back to like when we were meeting the wrestlers at the hotels. I'm just not that guy. Now at Comic-Con, they expect that sort of thing. They do. That's what they're there for. Not only is that what they're there for, they're there to hawk their merchandise and make a bunch of money. I mean, they get paid to be there. Lou Ferrigno got paid to be there. And he probably made a ton of money. I didn't care. I mean, I wasn't trying to be rude. I didn't care about the merchandise. I just wanted to meet the guy. I thought it was cool. So we met him. We're talking. Talked about 15 minutes. The line started to get bigger. Took pictures with us. And then he just gives us a t-shirt. A a Lou Ferrigno Hulk t-shirt. It just handed him to us. Here you go, guys. And we walked out. I'm like... Dude, we're in this place for like 30 minutes and we've already met Lou Ferrigno and he's a cool guy. So we're walking away and we're meeting people from the Evil Ernie comics and Vampirella and they got the girl who's Vampirella there. And I don't know if you guys are familiar um, with the Evil Ernie or Vampirella comics. I was an Evil Ernie fan. I thought Evil Ernie was just the coolest comic book. Um, And he had his girlfriend, Lady Death, and Mr. Smiley. I remember, I remember Mr. Smiley. So basically, Evil Ernie, he's a psychotic killer. Um, <laughs> I know, right? And he's with Eternity Comics, which turned into Chaos Comics. So he is a total 
psychopath. And he comes back from the dead and whatever. He ends up being somewhat of a good guy. But he also has his girlfriend, Lady Death. And she fights Purgatory. Anyway, they were cool comic books. They were very much on the fiction. They definitely were crazy. They definitely were sexy, so to speak. But I loved Evil Ernie. So we got the guys who drew Evil Ernie. I mean, the creators right there. I think the guy's name was Stephen Hughes and Brian Puleto or something like that. And we met them. So what do they do? They give us the little Mr. Smiley pins. Now, Mr. Smiley is just a smiley face. It's a smiley face pin. Like, you know, your generic, your generic smiley face. Except it's really cool. It's, it's the littlest, stupidest. I used to have a big yellow shirt. Um, and let me, let me digress for a second. I used to have a big yellow shirt with Mr. And it was, the entire thing was yellow, but it was a skull and crossbones. That's all it was. It was a smiley face, skull and crossbones that had, um, a bullet in it. Like, like a bullet, like a, um, not a bullet, but, uh, like a shot in the head and blood would come down from it. Like a little drip of blood. But he literally was a, was a smiley face scrolling cause. He looked like the Joker smile on a generic smiley face. Like smiley, yellow smiley face. They get, dude, they give us buttons. We met them. And they start talking to us about the process of coming up with Evil Ernie and the action figures. This was right when they rolled out the Evil Ernie, Purgatory, Lady Death, Chastity action figures. And they had them all there. Instantly, I buy Evil Ernie, and I buy Purgatory, and I think I bought Lady Death. Right there, boom. They autographed those action figures. I still have the Evil Ernie autographed action figure. I need to look it up. It's in a box still. The others I sold, um, I think I lost Lady Death, but I know I sold Purgatory, and I still have Evil Ernie, and I kept it, and it's in a box. I need to see how much that's worth, because the detail on these action figures... I mean, this was right cutting edge. Nowadays, yeah, you can get all kinds of great action figures, uh, collectible action figures and and the details. But this was a different time. The detail on this evil Ernie figure, unreal. And it was cool to talk to him because they were not DC. They were not Marvel. They weren't even um, Dark Horse. They weren't Image Comics, which was Todd McFarlane's comics. They were down. And they came up with some pretty far-fetched ideas, but they were in the process of making an evil Ernie animated film. We didn't ask them any questions. They were just chatty and cool. Now, some of the guys I was with, like Jeremy, he didn't care about that. He thought they were cool, but he didn't care. I could have sat there for the next two hours and talked to these guys because just to pick their brains and see how they came up with this whole different genre of comic books that was like the anti-hero. I mean, a psychotic killer... I mean, a Lady Death, like Purgatory, who was the devil, essentially. Like, those aren't, the, those aren't Spider-Man and Iron Man and Thor and Wonder Woman and stuff like that. This is the complete opposite of that. So it was really cool to hear how they came up with that. And since I'm a big horror fan, it just kind of all fixed in. So we talked to them for a while. One of the other guys that I thought was really cool there that we met was the, some of the original Star Wars guys. So we walked up and they had Chewbacca, the guy who played Chewbacca, the guy, um, now I'm totally going to forget his name (laughs) because I just remember he looked like a very big 
extra tall, older version of Howard Stern because he had that, he had that total, you know, total look. His name's Peter Mayhew, by the way. Um, great guy. He, he died now, unfortunately. And by the way, for all my Texas people, um, he was born over in the UK, but he lived in Boyd, Texas. I'm not even sure where Boyd is. I think it's out there in BFE. Um, and he's buried in Texas, by the way, too. So if you ever want to go see Peter Mayhew's burial, he died in 2019. Uh, he was 7'2", and I remember him sitting down most of the time. And he looked pretty good, but he stood up once, and I was like, oh, my God. But I got to meet him. He was a very nice guy, very thick accent, took pictures with us, signed Chewbacca photos, just a, a really nice guy. And you could tell that he embraced the, the environment. You know, some of these guys look like, yeah, they were there, but they didn't want to be there, which, which kind of made me mad, to be honest with you, because I'm like, look, these people are really working hard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to say they're working hard, but they're, they're there, and they paid hard-earned money to see you, and without them, you know, I hate to say it, you don't exist. You know, I mean, without the fans, you don't exist at all. So when you have a crappy look on your face, I just get kind of mad. And there was a few of them, and I'm not going to say who they were, but there was a few. So right next to Chewbacca, who's there? Boba Fett. The original actor from Boba Fett. That's right. Jeremy Bullock, who just died last year. We go to Jeremy. Coolest guy ever. Nice, perfect gentleman. He's got some of the original stuff there from Boba Fett, his armor, um, the guns. He starts telling us stories about how George Lucas really almost gave him no lines. And he actually had to fight for the role of not Boba Fett, but to have lines. He thought that Boba Fett was, you know, because they gave, they gave this character such a backstory that he thought that Boba Fett deserved to have lines. And Lucas was like, well, we just want him to be the silent, tough bounty hunter. And Jeremy was like, look, I agree with you, but Boba Fett can speak. And so he did. And they talked about how they came up with the voice and the style to not really, you know, because he's talking through that helmet in like a microphone type thing, like a speaker. But they didn't want to make it too much like Vader. So they had to be very different. And he just starts explaining the process to us. And he said he fought for Boba Fett. He fought to get those lines. Now, he only got four lines in the entire movie. But he became a very well-loved character. So apparently, Jeremy was right. But he was a very, another, just a down-to-earth, perfect gentleman. It's a shame that he died. Because uh, he'll never get to see what Boba Fett became. And I think he would have really enjoyed seeing, you know, what Boba Fett became, that his character lived on, that... Not only did he live on, but they talked about him in the prequels as a child, where he came from. He was in The Mandalorian, and now he's going to be in The Book of Boba Fett. And I think he would have really enjoyed that, because you could tell that, yes, obviously the fans and the money and all that was great. But you could tell that he just really enjoyed the character. And the way he talked about Boba Fett, the way he talked about how he believed that Boba Fett should have, not just he should have had a bigger role because of that he was Boba Fett, 
but because of the, the way that they wrote the backstory, because he told me there was like a 30, 40 page backstory on Boba Fett's character and he was into it. So you have to think this guy became Boba Fett and he had a whole different idea in his head before he got on the big screen and said those lines. So it was really cool as a fan of Star Wars, as a fan of Boba Fett, as a fan of just movies in general and hearing about that stuff, it was it was really cool. And I really liked that he just got to talk to us. You know, he wasn't just rushing through and he had a pretty good line. And I don't know, you know, part of me was like, well, that's because we're VIPs, you know, thanks to Nick. But I just think that's who he was as a person. So Jeremy wanted to bounce and go check out some stuff. And I'm like, bro, look, I am in the Star Wars mecca I haven't even made my way to Vader yet. And if anybody knows me, everybody knows. I mean, not like it's a shock if you like Darth Vader, okay? But everybody knows that I love Darth Vader and that I relate to Darth Vader very much. So we had him there. Now, we know that James Earl Jones did the voice. James Earl Jones was scheduled to be there but was sick. But they did have the actor, David Prowse, who was there, who played Vader. He was the man behind the mask, okay? And he was a big dude. He used to be a, a bodybuilder. And he was in all three of the original movies. So he was there. And he was talking to me. Great guy. Little more, I don't want to say standoffish, but little more like to the point, you know? He also had a very big line, but he... He took pictures with us. Sorry, I zoned out. He took pictures with us. Um, talked to us. I did get an 8x10. I still have. I need to frame it. Uh, I'll probably give it to my son one day. I have one from uh, Jeremy, too, of Boba Fett. Um, he wrote, to be, just be cool, which I thought was awesome. He's like, to be, just be cool. Because everybody called me B, you know? Just be cool, Boba. And then he signed it, Jeremy. Now, Vader... Um, Gave me an 8x10, and it said B. Because everybody called me B. Everybody. So at the time, I was just like, yeah, just write it. Make it out to B. Um, and this one, I definitely... I paid for uh, Vader's 8x10, and then I bought the 8x10 from Jeremy, too. Like, I'm going to support these guys. Because they told me. Jeremy was like, nah, I'll sign it. Look, I'm going to support you. Because that's what you're here for. And you mean the world, you know, to me. So um, Vader wrote... I think something about the dark side. Like, thank you for joining the dark side or something like that. I don't know. But it was really cool, though, to see these guys because as a kid, you grew up and you watched these movies. And, and especially me. Now, some of you that are listening weren't even around when these movies came out. But I was. And I, I mean, and that's what I grew up on. So seeing that, it just meant a lot to me to see those guys. So now we moved down, and, and they had R2-D2 there, and they had one of the replicas, um, not replicas, but one of the R2-D2 models. They used it in episode one for a couple still shots. Like, you know the scene where in episode one, when, or not episode one, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's rewind that. Uh, episode four, uh, A New Hope, when... Vader, or not Vader, I don't know why I'm saying Vader. Luke Skywalker is going to look for Obi-Wan. He's with C-3PO, 
and he's actually it might be before that I think it is before that it was the scene because they specifically told us and showed us no it was a scene right when they got attacked by the Jawas and C-3PO and R2-D2 get taken to the Jawas they got in a fight and they went their separate ways well R2-D2 is kind of sliding down this little rocky ledge and it really you can tell he's just like sliding down it like they're just moving him well that was a still r2d2 it moved it had remote controls and everything but nobody was in there and uh doing the remote controls and they it was just moving its head and this was that r2d2 so they showed us the scene and then showed us r2d2 and i was like man that is really freaking cool because like that was in the movie and they had other props there too they had um a smaller version of Han and, and Carbonite, you know, uh, that they actually used in the movie. Um, they had different props. It really cool. They had a big model of the Sarlacc pit from which Boba Fett died. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Died. Because uh, we know he didn't die. But that got thrown into. Um, different things like that. The claymation models of the Rancor monster. So I'm in heaven. I'm not trying to go anywhere. Plus... I just found out that Ray Park, a.k.a. Darth Maul, was going to be appearing. So I'm going to go get Darth Maul. So sure enough, I go, I go meet Ray Park. Now, Ray Park is not a very big dude. Um, he's, he's cut, but he's not a very big dude. And uh, I would say Ray Park. Ray Parker, I should say. No, is it? No, it's Ray Park. Ray Parker is the dude who... Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it Parker Parker? Am I tripping here? I swear, I'm getting the dude between, uh, <laughs> that did Star Wars, or that did the theme song to Ghostbusters, and um, <laughs> Darth Maul confused, but he's not a very big dude, but he's a legitimate fighter, and he was there, he, he, he was standing there, he was really cool, and Ray Park, yeah, that's what I thought, because he also played Stupid Toad in that horrible horrible x-men movie uh but anyway um yeah he's scottish he's a scottish actor he's a big martial artist he was also in solo a star wars um story and he was uh i believe he was snake eyes in gi joe if i'm not mistaken yes he was so anyway he's a he's a big martial artist guy really knows what he's doing which is why they got him he's from glasgow i looked it up yes i did but he was there thick accent and really cool and he's got the lightsaber that they used the dual lightsaber he's got the costume he talked about the makeup i got his autograph on the picture because it's darth maul he was like probably the best thing that one of the best things if not the best thing to happen um from the phantom menace so we're talking to him and he was telling us he was showing us videos of some of the fight scenes of uh between him and obi-wan uh ewan mcgregor um how he was actually training those guys. Like Lucas would talk about what he wanted for the lightsaber battles. And Ray Park was actually training those guys. So there's a scene with Darth Maul, not makeup, Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson, um, not makeup, and Ewan McGregor, not makeup, just practicing these swords, uh, sword fighting with these wooden, like, they don't even look like lightsabers, just wooden sticks. And Ray Park is standing next to George Lucas 
and he's directing them. He was teaching them with the other choreographers how to do these lightsaber battles. And he showed it to us. It was great. And so he was telling us about Phantom Menace. And then he told us that actually, technically, he was supposed to appear in the, in the second one. And Anakin was supposed to kill him. But they changed it. It's a totally stupid move on that part. But you know what? In the long run, we got it better because we got to see more of Darth Maul and Clone Wars and Rebels, and he got a good ending. His story came full circle. But again, I'm standing here with the guy that played Darth Maul as if you and I are sitting down having a cup of coffee. So it was a really cool experience to to see that. And I I lingered. I went, and there were some other guys there that... Um, from Star Wars that had ancillary parts that it was just cool to walk by and say hi to. So we start walking around and we're perusing and we're start making our way, you know, we're, we're talking to some wrestlers, guys that aren't worth mentioning, just that we liked. We're talking to some guys from Image Comics, um, Todd McFarlane, we got to get a picture with him. I didn't get to really talk to him, but we got to see him. Uh, I didn't think I did until I looked, I literally looked up all the pictures I had. And I'm going to post these pictures, by the way, some of these pictures on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So check out the Life of an Average Joe podcast featuring Brandon Navera on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you'll see all these pictures and stuff. So we're walking and we're starting to get to kind of a random area. And we were debating, do we go eat? Do we go drink? Do we go to the VIP lounge? We look at the, we look at the map. Nobody's going to the VIP lounge. But we see a big line and I start to look at the posters closely and I'm seeing like the clerk's poster. I'm seeing Chasing Amy and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith is just chilling. Silent Bob is just chilling at a table. Nobody's really by him. And I'm like, what? Now, if you're into comic books, you know Kevin Smith. If you're into the movies, you know Kevin Smith. And this was, now mind you, this is before Clerks 2. This is before uh, Clerks 1, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. So this would be before Dogma. This would be before Jane, Silent Bob, both movies. This is before, you know, uh, Comic Book Men. This is, it's before all that. So he's not as big as he was or as he is now. But he's still big in that realm and he's got a cult following. The fact that nobody was around him, I was like, Jeremy, we got to beeline it because we all loved Clerks. So we beelined it over to Kevin Smith. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, hey, you want to talk about the most down-to-earth dude ever. This guy literally looks like somebody that you could run into at a bar, at a coffee shop, and just hang out with. He's talking to us. He's cool. Uh, Jeremy got one of the clerks comic books autographed we all got pictures and we're just kicking it and he's like and he's telling us you know guys I'd really just want to like go hang out like I love being here and talking to everybody like I'm so privileged and he, he was just cool he was like super happy that he was there amongst all these people because these are his people this is you know he is one of those guys he's no different than you and I just more money <laughs> and, and more talent but he was excited. So he was like, you know what? I just want to go walk around. And we're like, well, dude, just go do it. He's like, nah, I got people coming up. You know, I, I got to go in the VIP lounge soon. You know, I, I can't do it. He's like, but I want to go see. He's like, I want to go over there and talk to the Star Wars crew. And that's all he says, the Star Wars crew. And I'm like, 
dude, I just talked to Jeremy. So he starts telling us stories about Jeremy. And he starts telling us stories about Chewbacca and Vader and all the guys. And he met all these guys. He met George Lucas. He had dinner with George Lucas. And he's telling us stories. And we're like, Kevin Smith is excited about the same things we are. Like, it was just a really cool thing. And then he started to get a line and we had to go. But this was not the last time we we saw Kevin Smith at all. Because we ended up seeing him later at a bar in Chicago. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. So we're walking. It's time to meet some other guys. Let's go meet some wrestlers. Kevin Nash from Detroit, Michigan, NWO, Big Sexy Diesel. We got to go meet him. Awesome dude. Great guy. All about the business, though. He was super happy. He was cool, but he was like, boom, you're done. Get out. Like, he talked to us. He was nice. Gave us high five, shook our hands, pictures. You're out. Saw Lex Luger. Not so cool. Kind of a jerk. (laughs) Raven, stuck in character the whole time. Paul Bearer, stuck in character the whole time. Undertaker, didn't even look at us, stuck in character the whole time. We missed Hulk Hogan. We did miss Hulk Hogan, though, which kind of bummed me out. Um, We saw some other ancillary wrestlers, like... I think D'Lo Brown was there. He was super cool and chill. Some of the referees were super cool and chill. Ric Flair was awesome. Not the first time I met Ric Flair. So again, you know, I was impressed, but whatever. Um, We go to the VIP lounge because we were hungry and we're getting things for free. And we walk in the VIP lounge and they stop us. And we're like, what? They're like, we're VIPs. They're like, sorry, you can't come in here right now. And they look at our lanyards. They're like, we know you're supposed to be in here, but you can't. This is, um, it's private right now. You're going to have to wait. We're like, well, we're VIP. And I'm like, dude, no way. I don't have to wait. I got VIPs. Like, no, you have to wait. And there's a lot of security. So uh, literally, I don't know. I'll say a couple minutes go by. And I'm like, dude, this, you know, I'm, I'm getting antsy. Like, I deserve to be in there. Like, instead of just being grateful for their situation... I'm like, dude, I got, I got to be in there. I got to be in there. So I'm waiting. Jeremy's waiting. I'm like, you know, forget it. Let's just go somewhere else. There's so much other stuff to see here. I got more money to blow. We'll come back. They kind of move us out of the way. Out comes George Lucas. I have a picture of him in security, like walking by me. And I, maybe I should post that. I said hi to him. I don't even know he heard me. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He, he, he starts walking. It's George Lucas, Danny DeVito, somebody else that I don't recognize, but I can tell they're important. And they're just hanging out. They're just hanging out. Walking by and I'm like, we just met the godfather of the Jedi Order. And Danny DeVito, who's awesome, by himself, just hanging out. And then they let us into the VIP lounge. And then they start letting other people in. And we didn't get anybody. We got a bunch of like, I don't know, you know, comic book people. You know, people that I don't know. That were probably very important in the comic book world that I just don't know. They were nice. Some of the girl, some of the models came in. I think Vampirella came in. Uh, she's been around since the 60s. Um, Elvira was there. We saw Elvira. We all got our picture taken with Elvira in the lounge. So that was really cool. But 
it didn't compare to being able to see George Lucas walk by. Unbelievable. And we got drinks and we got cocktails. And I can't tell you how much swag we got. I mean, I can't tell you from t-shirts to backpacks to stickers to action figures. I spent a lot of money there, but we got a lot of stuff. Watches. We got a watch. We got um, uh, Game, Boy, Game Boy holders because uh, Game Boy was huge. Sega Genesis was, st- yeah, I mean, we could, you know, Game Boy was huge back then. Um, Genesis, Sega Genesis holders, like the holders for the controllers, just all kinds of crap. We got all kinds of stuff. Stuff I, I got rid of, stuff I traded. We got, we got comic books like Issue Zero, which was like specialty released comic books. Um, just really cool stuff. I remember getting this Superman uh, backpack that had like a little cape on it. I thought it was the coolest thing. And Superman's not even one of my favorite characters. I mean, I like him, but I don't really care, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a Batman guy when it comes to DC. But, which doesn't, you know, shouldn't surprise anybody. Team, <laughs> team Iron Man... Batman, Punisher, Ghost Rider. I like Spider-Man a lot. I like Venom a lot. Don't like Carnage. You know, Vader, Darth Maul. You know, (laughs) like, the Jedi are cool, but I'm like, yeah, but Vader's cooler. So it makes sense that, (laughs) that I would choose Batman over Superman. But it was really cool. It was a really great experience. I learned a lot. And I got a lot of free stuff. And Nick, actually, Nick got a lot. He got to meet Stan Lee. He sold a lot of his comic books which and original artwork, which I thought was really cool for him. He had a very successful time there. So that made me happy because I knew he busted his butt. But now I'm going to take a break, guys. And I'm going to come back and wrap this up because I have the final show, which will involve going to the bar with Kevin Smith. Absolutely. That's got to be the highlight. Now there's another part of this trip that has nothing to do with comic books that I'm going to get to at a later date. Probably make it for a short story. But going to a bar in Chicago and hanging out with Kevin Smith at a bar, that's the highlight of this trip. Yes, I met a lot of other cool people and I'm skipping through some of it. Yes, we, we had fun. But meeting Kevin Smith and hanging out with him outside of the Comic-Con, downtown Chicago, that's where it at. So I'll be right back. Get your water, go to the bathroom, do what you got to do. It's been a while since I have done a longer podcast. And you know what? I kind of feel like I'm rushing through this. I almost like redid it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start over again and redo this. But then I was like, you know what? I don't want to redo this because... (laughs) It's just going to take so long, and I think I need for future reference or future shows maybe to spread them out a little bit. I don't know. Let me take a drink of this coffee. I switched from water to cold brew. Just felt like I needed it, you know? Maybe that's why I feel like I'm on speed right now. But anyway, you know, there's a lot of stories with Comic-Con, and as I'm as I'm telling these stories and I'm talking about us walking around like I can envision it, I can see just the vast majority of the people dressed up and cosplay and and t-shirts supporting their local 
favorite, give me a lot local, but favorite characters. Um, there are local comic book uh, shops there being represented, which I thought was cool. Uh, it was interesting because, you know, I, I know it still happens and the comic book world is big. And I know that Marvel, and I'll give DC so a little bit of credit, even though their movies are garbage. Um, they've really kind of brought it back to a new world. I mean, meaning that they really have given like a surge with the comic books and graphic novels again. I'm not saying that graphic novels and comic books have ever like disappeared completely because they haven't. Um, but back then, during this time, they were on a different level. It was, you were seen, they, they were seen a lot more. You also have to remember too, social media was limited to MySpace and maybe the start of Facebook. Facebook was nothing like it was. And forget podcasts. There, were, there weren't any podcasts. There were radio shows. We were just now getting into satellite series radio. There wasn't, you know, internet radio like this. So this was, a, um, this was a different time when publications like magazines and actual newspapers and comic books were a lot more relevant and a lot more common. Whereas now... You can view a lot of this stuff online. You can read comic books online. You can get a comic book subscription online where they will release the digital comic book to you. I think it sucks, personally. That's just my opinion, but I'm not going to go off on that topic. I understand why they do it. I'm just not going to go off on that topic. So as we're there, and as we're looking at all these comic books... And I guess what I was getting at before I, this coffee sent me on a whirlwind of God knows what, there were local comic book shops that had local comic books specifically for the region. There were comic books that weren't distributed outside of Chicago because they were small, but inside the, the city of Chicago in Illinois, they were huge. They were, it was almost like a local artist. I mean that in all fronts, like a local musician or a local artist, like somebody who would draw and never distribute their artwork outside of the city. Like, it was really cool. And I'm sure those are there now still, I imagine, but they're not as big. So I would buy some of these local comic books just to read because I knew I never was going to get them again uh, outside of Chicago, which made it really difficult if I liked them. I would also like try to buy a t-shirt and stuff like that. So we had a lot of uh, time spending talking to local artists while we were walking underneath the Batwing, while we were <laughs> walking by Adam West, uh, while we were, you know, just all these things. And it was just the buzz and energy inside this place was huge. And we spent a lot of time there. But towards the end of it, we decided that we were done. It was on our last day there. Our last day at Comic-Con, not our last day in Chicago, because I remember the next day very well. And I think I'll do a separate podcast about that. But um, let's just say it's the complete opposite of this. But anyway, man, anyway, I just got a really happy big smile. Can I say anyway one more time? I got a big happy smile on my face thinking about this day. But so it was the last day and we were leaving leaving Comic-Con, and we decided to spend some time in Chicago, downtown again, because our hotel was outside the city. Not far, but outside enough that we were going to kind of just hang out around the area. Maybe hit a local bar, maybe go to Hooters, maybe go to, uh, you know, I don't know, just chill out of the hotel and get some booze and whatever. 
go to the pool. Who knows what we were going to do? But we were we were going to leave Chicago and not go back. So we went walking around Chicago, bought a few things, got some Chicago beef, got Chicago dogs, uh, you know, checked out, showed Cuz a couple more places that he's never seen. And then we went to a, a local pub. I mean, there's a thousand pubs in Chicago. There's a thousand bars in Chicago. And when I say an Irish bar, I mean, like, pick which one. I could tell you how to get to this Irish bar. Like, I could literally, in Chicago, be like, hey, go here, turn left, go here, this is it. I can't remember the name. I'm sure I have a picture of it. And as I go through and start posting some of these pictures on the Instagram, Life of an Average Joe podcast, uh, from the trip, you can see it. But, because I've got pictures of Kevin Smith and things like that. So... Anyway, it was a cool Chicago a Chicago bar. It was busy, too, because there was a game. There was a Cubs game on. I don't know who they were playing. I don't remember, but I remember it being packed, and I was like, well, we picked a perfect time. Plus, it's Chicago anyway. Chicago's busy, and it's a weekend, so you've got the tourists there. You've got people coming in from the Comic-Con. you got the Cubs game. You just got all kinds of stuff, and it's a, it's a city. It's a major metropolitan city, always buzzing, and... We went, into the sh- we went into the pub, hanging out. We got a table in the back, like a tall top. And it was just the three of us, and we're drinking. I think I, I don't know what I had. I don't think I, I might have been drinking whiskey then. I can't remember. I know I drank a local beer first, because I always do that. But I don't remember. And I know I had a Guinness, because they had it on Nitro. But I, I don't remember what else I was drinking. But we were just hanging out. We ordered some snacks. And I think we were, like, mentally and physically exhausted, from everything that's been going on. Plus our adrenaline was rushing because we were super excited about, you know, Comic-Con and meeting all these people. And I noticed a dude walk in. And I'm always looking at a bar. Like when I'm in the bar, my head's on a swivel. That's just the way it is. I think it really, I mean, it comes from my, you know, what I believe in my, you know, how I practice my life. Always keeping your eye on things so you're not taken off guard. You know, because whenever you're in a crowded situation, you just don't know what could happen. And I'm not trying to sound like a paranoid guy, but I'm watching out. I'm watching out the exits. I'm watching who's coming in. I'm watching if anything looks suspicious. I'm watching, you know, I'm just keeping an eye on people. And I never, I never like sitting with my back to an exit. I just don't. I want to be able to see who's walking in the door. And I also want to be able to know if there's any other exits just in case something goes down. So here I am, it's crowded, nothing feels weird. That's genuinely when something happens though. Nothing feels weird and then something happens. But I'm kind of watching, I notice this guy kind of walking, he's kind of a bigger dude, he's got like a zip up on, a gray t-shirt, and I'm kind of like, what the, he looks pretty familiar. And at first I was like, we we must have saw him at Comic-Con. And I realized we did see him at Comic-Con because it was Kevin Smith. Mr. Mallrats, Mr. Clerks, Mr. Chasing Amy, you know, you know, himself, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob, he's there. And when I say he looks like a normal dude, because he is a normal dude. Kevin Smith is never one of those dudes that stands out. It's not like Leonardo DiCaprio walking in. Forget the looks. It's just, you know, you know. Even when Leonardo DiCaprio is incognito and not in the best shape of his life, you just know it's Leo. Kevin Smith could fit in. Like, Kevin Smith could be at your bar for, like, five hours. And you'd be like, oh, my God, dude, you're Kevin Smith. Holy crap. And he's just a normal dude. He's, he, yes, he's a celeb, but he's a normal guy. He just, whatever. And he kind of, he gets to the bar, gets a 
drink. And I got to be honest with you because I don't want to spread false rumors. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a beer, whiskey. I don't know if it was alcoholic. I, I really don't know. I, honestly, it looked like a Coke. It could have had, I mean, so obviously it wasn't a beer, but it looked like a Coke or a Pepsi or, or something, um, some sort of pop. And it could have had whiskey in it. It could have had, I don't know. But he starts walking in the back and he's kind of watching the Cubs game. He's kind of leaned up against the wall by us. No trench coat. And I'm like, hey man, you want to come over here? And he's like, all right. He walks over and my buddy Jeremy's like, what the fuck, dude? Oops, yep, I said it. He's like, that's Kevin Smith. And I'm like, yeah, it is, dude. He's like, hey guys. I'm like, hey man, just kind of hang out by us, you know, whatever. And he's hanging out by us. No big deal. We don't barrage him with questions. We're just literally talking about baseball, talking about Chicago. And then he starts talking to us just about the show. You know, did you guys go to the, are you guys here for any particular reason? Yeah, we went to Comic-Con. You know, I saw you there. Oh, okay. I don't expect him to remember us because, come on. And he's like, yeah, it was great. You know, I got to go back, but I just needed to get out of there. So I left. And he's just talking. And he starts talking to us about Superman. You know, because Kevin Smith wrote a Superman script. Not, no jokes, no weird, like, you know, Jay and Silent Bob fight Superman. He wrote a legitimate Superman script. I don't know if you guys knew that. If you guys are fans of Marvel, DC, comic books, Superman, um, Kevin Smith, you probably do. But he always wanted to write a real superhero movie. And it was called Superman Lives. A true story. Superman Lives. And it was by Kevin Smith. He wrote it, I think he started it in 96, if I'm not mistaken. The script is actually online. You can read it. Um, I think they have the entire script online. I could be wrong. But at the time, I didn't know about it. And really, after hearing it, it was a pretty good formula for a movie and also a pretty good movie that was I thought was kind of ahead of its time. He had a lot of battles with Warner Brothers, a lot of them, and he talked to us about that. He talked about how they they fought him on a lot of things. They wanted they liked his ideas on all kinds of movies, even Jane Silent Bob and Clerks, but they wanted it to do it more Hollywood. They wanted a more Hollywood vibe for his movies and that's not what Kevin Smith wanted so you know after Superman did his last movie The Quest for Peace which was a disaster I liked it I really did he wanted to kind of follow up on that movie a little bit and bring more of a brainiac type Lex Luthor team that would take out Superman and a lot of people at Warner Brothers were trying to do it they actually really wanted to bring it into Flourishing for about five years. And he thought that the Death of Superman movie, where he fought Doomsday and died, you know, it was a big thing in the comic books, would be cool. They had worked on that, but he didn't want to write the Death of Superman. He wanted to write Superman Lives. So he actually had two different drafts for it, and he started to talk to us about this. And it had a lot of cool cool nerdy stuff in there that people that watch or I should say read Superman or know the history of Superman they would actually recognize some of these 
they would recognize exactly some of the characters. They would recognize some of the, you know, different faces in there. Um, all kinds of stuff. And he starts telling us about the movie. And he tells us about how he still believes to this day that Superman, I mean, of course, this was back in the day, that he believed that Superman Lives could still be a good movie. And it really was. i got to be honest with you. I've read most of the script, um, at least what I can find online. And I think he was ahead of his time. I I think he was onto something. I, I can't, I don't know why. He says that he believes that the reason that Warner Brothers didn't do it was because of the last Superman movie, The Quest for Peace, which failed miserably. And it was Christopher Reeve's last role as Superman, and it just wasn't a good movie. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've watched it recently, and it's not a good movie. <laughs> but I don't hate it, and I think I don't hate it because, number one, it's Christopher Reeves. Uh, you have Gene Hackman, who was a phenomenal Lex Luthor. Different than the comic books, but yet really good. And it's Superman. So, to me, Superman's been a very underrated superhero in movies because they've really screwed him up almost as much as Batman but probably worse um I'm not going to go into that situation but so being able to watch those movies again I still have love for Christopher Reeves and you got to think that was really one of the first big superhero movies that we had that came out before Michael Keaton's Batman so for me as a child and growing up loving those movies there's always going to be a special spot in my heart even for the horrible quest for peace but i remember going to 7-eleven and getting a quest for peace poster you bought a slurpee and they gave you a quest for peace poster and i had that in my bedroom for years anyway but kevin smith said he fought with him on it then he tried to do it independently and that wasn't going anywhere warner brothers shot him down then he tried to sell the script to a different writer that maybe had a better relationship with warner brothers couldn't do it. Nobody would touch it. And he shelved it. And then here we are today with, you know, DC just being a big giant mess and Superman being a big mess. But it was really cool because we didn't ask Kevin Smith about this stuff. We just talked about it. He just brought it up like on his own talking about some of his favorite superheroes and why he believes that Superman is, is you know, he loves Batman. He loves Batman. But he believes that Superman's a perfect superhero. And he, and he told us why. Uh, he told us how he just, you know, he kind of basically took all the positive things of America and human beings and made them into a comic book and that he was just a good guy. Like, there wasn't a flaw. And I know later in life and in the movies and things like that, there was a flaw. But <laughs> it was pretty awesome. It was, it was pretty amazing to be able to talk to him and just hear his side of the story. And also, at the time, I didn't even know he wrote that. I don't even think I heard a rumor that he wrote a script. I mean, so it was really cool because it was fresh. He was still dealing with trying to get the Superman movie, even though it had been three, four years. It took about five, six years before they finally said no. But he was really still fighting it. So we hung out with him. I got to be honest with you. I, I keep going back and forth on the time. I want to say over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. No, uh, no pictures, no autographs. I have a picture of Kevin Smith, like me and Kevin Smith from Comic-Con, but nothing there. 
He shook our hands and left and said, if we come back, stop by and say, I have not. It was good to meet us. And he left. And during that time, because it was so crowded and because it was such a chill bar, nobody bothered him. I mean, imagine walking in and you see like four people sitting at a table. It's not, it just looks normal. And because Kevin Smith is such a normal guy, nobody bothered him. It was really cool. It was a really great experience. And I got to be honest with you, to this day, out of, and I've met a lot of people. I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of really quote unquote famous people, celebrities, wrestlers, artists. Kevin Smith is in the top five for me because of his personality and because of how great he treats his fans and just people. Like he's a people person and I know he's kind of shy sometimes, but he is, he's top notch. So that ended the trip, at least related to the comic book era. Yeah, we went back to the hotel and talked about comic books. We hooked up with our buddy, Nick, talked to him about his events. The next part of the trip is a completely different story that I'm not going to get into on this podcast. I'll save it. I'll I'll drag another episode out of this uh, because it has nothing to do with Comic-Con and more or less to do with a bunch of girls from Italy that could have changed my life forever, actually. Uh, But, you know, life change, like things happen. So we will get into that, but uh, not today. So I thank you guys so much for listening to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everybody over at Anchor for helping me out. I also want to give a big shout out to my boys down in Austin. That's right, Oasis Texas Brewing Company. Keeping it real, keeping it Texas, keeping it local, making great beer. Thank you so much for your continued support. Can't wait to see you in 2022. I don't know how to even say that. doesn't even sound right, 2022. Like, I have to say it 10 times to make sure I'm saying it right because it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. How are we in 2022 right now? Where's my flying car? The Jetsons lied. Anyway, uh, looking forward to going down there, doing a live podcast, trying out some new beer, talking to the brewers, and uh, just love the support that these guys are giving me. I mean, being able to have a, a great brewery that supports your, what you're doing, your vision, your show, and believes in you, that's a huge, huge plus Thank you so much. Uh, I'm not just saying this because they are a sponsor. I'm saying it because they've just been great to work with and it's really exciting. So, um, but continue. You can listen to the Life of an Average Show podcast anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. If you don't know, go to social media, go to my Facebook page, the Life of an Average Joe podcast featuring Brandon Novera. Go to my Twitter. Go to Instagram. I got all the links there. Or just Google it. Search it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube. I don't know. All of them. Who am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anybody? I don't know. Amazon Music. Pandora. I'm on all those. So if you can't find me, you don't want to find me. (laughs) Anyway, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to leave me your comments, questions, concerns. If you're listening on an Anchor or Apple Podcast. You can go ahead and leave a comment or a review. I'm good with a review, guys. You guys want to drop me a review? That's cool. I'm not, I'm not going to hate you for it. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. See you next time.